Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 496, How to Create an Environment that Celebrates Diversity. Today we're going to be talking about just that, celebrating diversity and driving exceptional employee engagement. I'm Jo Dodds, your host today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list. And all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Advita Patel, who's founder of Comms Rebel and co-author of Building a Culture of Inclusivity. Welcome, Advita. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Jo. Great to be here today. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about who you are, who Comms Rebel are, and a bit about your new book. Thank you. So, um... As you, as you very kindly said, I am the founder of Comms Rebel, which is an internal communications and employee experience consultancy based in Manchester in the UK. And I work with organisations to help them um, build cultures of inclusivity so their colleagues can thrive. And the book, which, you, which I mentioned, was released um, a couple of weeks ago now in the UK. It's building a culture of inclusivity, helping leaders use effective internal communication for diversity, equity and inclusion and I co-authored it with my um, business partner for my second business which is a leader like me called Priya Bates Uh, and Priya owns her own consultancy in Toronto, Canada and the reason the book, uh, the reason the book exists and why we wrote the book was because we recognised that there wasn't really anything in the market to help HR leaders, communication leaders, and leaders in general understand how they can build inclusivity. I think a lot of people understood the why behind it, but it was the practicalities of the how. How do we build this inclusive culture where all our colleagues can thrive? And, you know, as we we know, Joe, with the work that you do as well, when colleagues thrive, good things can happen for the business in terms of performance and outputs as well and we couldn't really find anything in the market as I said so Priya and I had a chat and thought why don't we combine our experience of working with organizations to help them cultivate inclusion and put all our thoughts and ideas and advice and guidance and the models and frameworks we use uh, in, a, in a book format to give access to people. Lovely and you said it's coming out shortly? So it came out in the UK a couple of weeks ago in on sixth or seventh of June, uh, and it's out in North America on twenty seventh of June. So tomorrow, actually, it's out in America. Oh. Well, it came out in the UK on my birthday, so that must be a good sign. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So you started to touch on why an inclusive culture is important. Let's talk a bit more about that. Why is it important for? organizations to build an inclusive culture and, and what impact does that have on employee engagement obviously the topic of the of the uh the, the radio show the podcast the website and so on yeah i mean one of the 
there's so much research and studies out there that demonstrate when we have a, a culture where people can belong and feel included, we see a great impact on the return on investment in terms of numbers. So absence, retention, recruitment, performance, we, there's, there's definitely a positive impact on those numbers when we have a culture of inclusivity. I feel that we sometimes don't, we sometimes can be quite performative and tokenistic in how we approach this. So the, the impact is not as tangible, which is why, in my experience, a lot of leaders tend to see it as a nice to do rather than a must do at times. And the research and studies that we've done throughout our time in writing the book clearly shows that those organizations that have an inclusive culture not only do well in those performance targets, as I mentioned to you, Joe, but also have a, a, a great culture in terms of attracting the right talent and people to keep that organization sustainable. We've now moved on from the days where people would be enticed by pay and golden handshakes and even pension. Questions and queries are now being asked by the generation coming into the workforce and even the, even the generation in the workforce about what are you doing for me and what are you doing for others and how are you doing this? Uh, and and the, the, the lack of, um, I suppose, accountability is no longer accepted. And that's what I you know, noticed when it comes to organizations who really invest in inclusive cultures and really take the time to understand where their gaps and barriers are and often what contributions they, they are making and values they're making, but where, the, where, where they need to get the support uh, and learning on what they need to do to make sure that everyone in their organization feels included and valued. So ultimately, the organization thrives in itself as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's just sort of go back a step and, and actually sort of identify a bit more about what does an inclusive culture actually mean? I mean, as you say, sometimes it's, you know, lip services um, and, and a lot of people probably quote it, sort of talk as if they know what it looks like and what it is, but I'm not sure sometimes whether that is truly the case. But how would you describe yeah. it? It's a place where people can be who they need to be uh, in order to do the best work. And I'm very reluctant to use the word authentic self because I feel like that term is misused and not everybody should be their authentic self, to be honest with you, <laughs> in some circumstances. <laughs> um, but they should definitely be the, set, the, the person they need to be to do their best work so other people can also benefit from that. It's when you feel safe enough to speak up if something is not fair or right or there's issues or even speak up when it comes to innovation and contribute in terms of your skill set as well. It's a place where you are feeling you can be, like I said, you know, almost from without having to change your personality, a code switch, as we often say, code switches when you have to pretend to be somebody else to belong in that space. Mm-hmm. Inclusive cultures also means it doesn't really matter who you are or what background you come from, you're treated equitably in the organization. So you have access to the training based on your needs. You have access to opportunities based on your circumstances. People don't treat you any differently because of X, Y, Z of your characteristic. Um, And it all kind of stems down to this psychological safety 
which is, a, I know it's a phrase that's out, has been around for a while since Amy Edmondson, you know, wrote her book, Fearless Organization. And Amy, is, you know, quite clearly says that in order for organizations to feel connected to their, to their colleagues and do good work and contribute to society and make a difference, you need to bring your people with you. And in order to bring your people with you, you need to understand what, who they are, what they need from you, and also what, what environment do they need to help them be a, a good employee or a good colleague that can thrive and succeed as well mm. in the right way. Uh, and mm. you don't, they don't feel like they belong and they don't feel like they can contribute and they don't know their value and they don't understand the why then the likelihood is you're seeing that impact on everything in the business from employee experience to employee engagement to performance to general toxic cultures uh, and, and and it's really difficult i suppose to describe an inclusive culture because it will be different for different organizations depending on what the outcomes they want to see you know you'll see yeah. some organizations that will share online having you know free fruit in the staff area and um, they'll have you know flexible days or unlimited holidays and all those different things but is it is it all tokenistic or performative or is it actually having an impact you know can mm -hmm. even though you're giving them free fruit and flexible holidays and all that kind of stuff are they do they still feel safe enough to speak up if they don't agree with something will they be penalized for standing up for their rights you know, a will, will, will lead us them differently because they don't look like them or agree with them in, in the same yeah. way. And that's what I would say, how does it truly feel to belong in your organization? And, and what does that mean for you and your colleagues? What, what does belonging mean and what does inclusion mean and what, how does that feel to an individual? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a bit about what organizations can practically do to ensure that people feel valued and respected and, and included um again because you know it's something people talk about and it's as you say um people organizations implement various um, programs strategies whatever it, they don't always work and they may not always be the right thing but you know from your point of view what what can organizations implement to help their employees to feel more included I think the first thing they need to do before they implement anything is to do some discovery work, understand in terms of who are the demographics that they're communicating with or working with, what are the challenges facing those demographics in your organization, where are the gaps, you know, what progress have you made since the last awareness day that you may have promoted or communicated or supported or since that policy you introduced, what are your people saying? Or what your colleagues saying about how they feel in the organization how they belong in that space and the reason i say this joe is because i've worked with many organizations that haven't done their due diligence and have gone in with these fancy campaigns and initiatives and policies because they've heard it or seen it or they don't want to be called out without actually understanding the impact it's going to have on their pop on their colleague population and they're trying yeah. to you know put a square peg in it, what is it, a square peg in a round hole, um, mm -hmm. just because it's worked somewhere else. And when it comes to inclusive cultures, it doesn't matter if that organization is, is, is in the same industry as you, your culture is still going to be very different. And there's merit in obviously looking at benchmarks and what other people have done in terms of idea generation, but you really need to do your due diligence and do your active listening. 
And what I mean by active listening, which is a phrase that just gets thrown around, is genuinely listening to what your colleagues and leaders are telling you and not making assumptions and addressing your own biases when it comes to listening, because we can often influence some of the conversations because of our own nervousness around this area of work, or we can be a bit dismissive of what people may be saying and, and potentially saying things like, I think they are exaggerating, that isn't the truth here, we do this, this and this, so I don't know why they feel like that. And we can get a bit protective and I've seen you know, HR teams and, and communication teams and even you know, the senior execs get protective and defensive about some of yeah. this work. So the first step is to do your due diligence and truly understand what is happening What's your demographics telling you? Who are your demographics as well? That's number one as well, I would say. And then the other, the other pitfall or mistake organizations often make is that they throw everything at it. There's no real strategic um, objectives in terms of what you're, they're trying to do. And the fear of exclusion in order to include often means you're doing everything for everyone but not doing anything for anyone. Um, because you don't have the right resources, budget, or the time to do everything, but you are fearful of if you don't do everything, it means that you are, you know, you're excluding this person, that person, this group, that group, and that happens when you don't explain your why. So why are you spending the next 18 months focusing on these three key areas for the organisation, and what does that mean for the organisation? And there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of organisations. I mean, I worked with one organization not so long ago who I came in to support them with the deliverables of some of their inclusive um, action plans for EDI and they had over 400 actions which they had to deliver within a six-month period and wow. it's, just, it's just not a possibility it's not and the right. fact that they, you know they they brought somebody in to do a bit of an audit um, on on the culture of the organization and they left them with the six-month action plan with 400 actions and they were just absolutely worn away and I'm like it's it's not it's it's not fair for one thing on you or your colleague population and also you need to be you need to be clear about what this is going to do and if you're trying to do everything you're going to overwhelm you're going to overwhelm everybody change you need to be very intentional with the decisions that you're making and you need to be firm on why those decisions have been made and give people a proper timeline on when these issues have been addressed. And you need to do your risk analysis on which ones are take the core priority for you right now. Having 400 plus actions is not beneficial or helpful to anybody. Um, no. And there's a, there's a sense of relief in the room when somebody said that because we live in this world of immediacy. You know, we have to do everything right now. Um, and if we don't do it right now, that means we don't care. And mm. And when we do things like this, it often comes out that we don't care because we're not putting thought or intention behind our practice. So we have to be really careful about how we address certain situations and, and um, issues in the organisation and be very careful about how you may manage that in the right way and get the guidance you need from your, your organisation and the people in your organisation to help you determine which what should be your focus area it's not to say that you're going to ignore everything else but it's what are you going to focus your key priorities on for this period of time so let's talk a bit more about how how you do that I mean, again we sort of we talk strategy it's really important you've talked about doing some research to sort of find out where you are and what you then need to do and i think yeah. you just touched 
fair on on being clear and, and making sure that the organization the organization the people in the organization want what you're suggesting what what does that process actually look like to not have 400 actions <laughs> and to know that you're getting the, the right ones as your top however many you think you should have so the first step is to um understand what is this what is the edi strategy for your organization what does that look mm. like what does that mean what is the purpose of it what action are you expecting what outcomes are you expecting from that and i'm not the biggest fan of having edi as a completely separate pillar um, it should be a flat pillar that all the other strategic objectives come out from because all of those um, objectives, the business objectives should have EDI at the heart of the work that you're doing. Uh, mm. And you have to be very honest about that. And those organizations that have EDI as a completely different stream will often fall into tokenistic behavior. So first step is to understand what is what is the key priorities. Are you... Are you um, you know, is, is, the, is one of the objectives to get more women around the boardroom table? Is it about, you know, employing more people of colour in your organisation? Is it about addressing biases that you often see that impacts those decisions about getting more women around the table or more people of colour in your, in your organisation? It's being very clear about what is your, what is your area of concern right now. Uh, and what, why are you focusing on that space? Even with things like disability and sexuality and religion and things like that, you have to be quite clear about why you're focusing on those areas of work to give people an opportunity to understand the why. Because if you don't allow people to understand the why, you're going to get they're going to switch off, and they're just going to mm. think it's another it's another campaign, it's another message. You know, some of the feedback I've had in recent times. And this is, you know, a real case that happened where people are actually putting rules on their emails that with any acronym that's for EDI, DEI, inclusion, diversity, or equity goes into junk. So some people are actually putting rules on the emails because they are so exhausted by the sheer number of information that's coming their way, but with no call to action or why. So that's what I would say if anyone's listening and they're struggling to get engagement, it's because you probably haven't identified why this is important and allow mm -hmm. people to be curious enough to ask questions. The, the other step I would also say is you need to get your leaders on board with this. It's a responsible individual. It has to be baked into the organization rather than just one or two people sprinkling the odd thing here, there, and everywhere. So you have to be mm -hmm. really clear with your leaders that this is their responsibility because people do, you know, whether, whether people agree or disagree, my opinion is that leaders you know, build a culture in an organization. And if your leaders are not showing any interest in this work, then it's not going to work at all. It's a really no. pointless activity. And you actually, what you end up doing is bringing people into the organization under the pretense that it's very inclusive. And you're actually damaging their mental health because you are not, you haven't put any effort into making sure that they do belong. So we have all these really big recruitment drives on bringing in diverse voices and representation from different backgrounds but then once they're in the organization the consideration on how do we make sure that they belong and are included is not given you know policies stay the same behaviors stay the same people don't, are not accepting of things like flexible working for example that isn't going to work you know you need to you need to understand what the employee experience journey is 
for that individual when they come into the business and you need to personalize that persona everybody will have different needs you need to be aware of what that looks like Mm -hmm. so let's talk a bit about uh sort of groups initiatives resource groups affinity groups lots of organizations have uh groups that champion certain sort of areas of inclusivity um which in some (laughs) some ways could sound like the opposite by creating a separate group <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure that isn't the case. so you know talk a bit about how um sort of those sorts of groups or sort of opportunities initiatives that are created can work really well because sometimes those things could almost work the other way you know initiatives people go yeah. like you said here we go another another one of those things but actually yeah. they can work really too so yeah let's talk a bit about that yeah. Definitely. So I have, in, you know, in the book, we have spoken about infinity groups and employee resource groups. In my experience, Joe, they are not used in the best way. I think they're, I think they're great in terms of creating safe spaces for people who feel excluded and need a space mm-hmm. to share. I think that's really important. But they are also not used in the way they should be used, these groups. And I think the pressure on minority groups to fix the problem is often there with these infinity groups and employee resource groups. They're often under-resourced, under-budgeted, and you're depending on volunteers um, who also have a day job to run them. And what mm-hmm. might tend to happen is that these people have passion and desire to see change, and they take it upon themselves to see this change happen without any real uh, support from the organisation. And what ends up happening, in my experience, is that these affinity um, volunteers who belong to these groups miss out on other opportunities in the organisation that the majority of people don't um, have to worry about these affinity groups, right? The dominant culture doesn't often have to worry. They can go into work, they they feel accepted, they belong because they belong to the dominant group, and they can crack on and progress in their career. When you're under, mm-hmm. underrepresented or a minority group, you're, you want to join these groups because you feel like you don't belong, so you join these groups, and these groups are then asked for their opinion, their thoughts, their ideas, which is fair, but then not compensated in the right way. So they don't get the training, you know, they're distracted with doing the work of the infinity group and not working on their own development. They are often left alone without guidance. You know, they off, you know, in some organizations, you are allocated a sponsor, but then that sponsor has no interest, they're just doing it because it's part of their objective. And they feel, you know, they feel a bit lost. And then what ends up happening in some organisation, it becomes a bit like us against them. Or as I, you know, as I said in the book, a, a bit like oppression Olympics. You know, my cause or my need is much more important than your need. I need, I deserve to be heard. Why are they getting the limelight? And why are we not getting the limelight? Why have they got a, a piece in the intranet? And why haven't we? And you end up just fight, the groups end up fighting amongst themselves, which is mm. completely pointless and it's unfair. Uh, but the organisations will just tick a little box and say, well, we've got these groups and people can, you know, they're driving the agenda. It shouldn't be like that. These groups should be used as, you know, if needed, as a safe space for them to connect and share what, whatever's going on. But more, you know, more beneficial is to invest in them, to give them relevant budgets and give them the support and the training and reward them and celebrate them for additional um, work that they do you know so if you have got a chair of an infinity group it's not easy to chair a group which is you know like that to put them through some training and acknowledge the fact that they have contributed to the the next steps for the organization and we don't often see that so 
if anybody is leaning quite heavily on their affinity groups and employee resourcing groups, I would highly encourage you to look at the, the well-being and mental health of these individuals, but also how much contribution are you giving them in terms of training and support and resourcing the budget? And are you getting them to do things in their own time? Because if you are, then that's not fair. And I think that's what no. you kind of think. Yeah. And I guess in some ways you sort of have less control over it as an organisation as well. If it's because people are volunteering, then they quite often will volunteer for what they want to do and not necessarily how you'd like it to be. Exactly, yeah. And, and rightly so, you know, if they're not feeling heard in their day-to-day -day work. You know, my dream, Joe, is one day in the future, I would hope that we wouldn't need groups like this because everybody is treated equitably and everybody feels that they can contribute without having to go into a safe space to do that. Yeah. Um, and that is my dream. I think, you know, the, the, the mark of success, in my opinion, is when people don't need to feel that they have to create these groups to be heard and be seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, listen to uh, and everybody is treated early um, and I think I, I, I just have a huge bugbear uh, annoyance that the, the pressure on these volunteers is immense and I've seen a lot of these individuals break down and exit the organisation because they just feel exhausted because they're not getting the support that they need and we can sometimes not be aware as HR professionals or communication professionals or leaders even of the pressure that's on them because we have our own targets and objectives to hit as well and we need that mm. support so yeah. we can sometimes be a little bit selfish ourselves and think actually mm. i'm just going to ask you know the race group whether this statement is fair or accurate or whatever because we want to include them but what you're really doing is asking them to do your work without actually you educating yourself and you have to be honest about that you have to be honest and say am i doing the work i need to do to educate myself in this space mm. Mm. We're just going into the last few minutes of, of the show. Can we just touch a bit on sort of remote and hybrid working and, and how that um, needs to sort of address the, the whole inclusivity piece? Because it, it's obviously something that's much more common now. Um, and, yeah. and I guess in some ways, well, gives more opportunity for inclusivity and maybe also a bit harder because of the sort of uh, distance of it as well. Yeah. So a little yeah. bit on that. <laughs> Yeah, you have to be really intentional as a leader when you have hybrid working. People, um, you know, we, we are people, creatures of habit at, at times. And sometimes as if, you're in your, if you're in the workplace and you see the, the whites of people's eyes, you normally connect with them much more than somebody who may be working from home. If that's you as a leader, you need to make sure that you're, you're being more intentional with the people working from home or from different locations that they're included in the conversation. And you're right, Joe. you know, there's opportunity for more inclusion um, in terms of allowing people to choose how they work and where they work from. You tend to get more um, benefits from that if it's done properly. But you, you, in a hybrid culture, it's really difficult to have that collaboration if you're not very intentional with it. And people can actually become more isolated. Um, from the organization and from the people they work with if the leader isn't doing more frequent check-ins uh, and mm -hmm. to ensure that they're doing, you know, if everything's going okay and if, if they've had the opportunity to have their voice or suggestions heard, you know, is, is there something that, any help that they need to do? And you, you might find if you've got more people working away from the office, you, as a leader, you may have to do some more frequent um, conversations with these individuals and be very intentional about bringing people into the office on the same day, for example, and having rules in place 
around or guide rather than rules to say, look, on a Wednesday, let's try and not have any team meetings or Zoom meetings uh, and let's have a conversation in, in person where we can. Mm-hmm. And, and those are quite you know, practical tips, but that's the only way you can, you can build that kind of inclusivity and inclusivity is connection. Um, yeah. And you, you connect better when you know people. And if you don't know the people that you work with, then you are very distant from that connection, which can make you feel excluded because people are not mm-hmm. talking to you as, you know, as, as the whole person that you are and just talking to you as that one element that you might bring into the business. Yeah. Yeah, and as you say, you know, as, as with all of this much sort of emphasis on the leaders and how they they perform, how they, the role that they play in terms of keeping those people connected. Yeah, and you have to. You've got to be very intentional as a leader, which is, I know it's, it can be tiresome as a leader because you've got a lot going on, especially with hybrid working and remote working and flexible working and part-time working and all the options that help build an inclusive culture. You have to then adjust your style slightly to accept mm-hmm. that people won't have the traditionalism of what we may have had 20 years ago, what, you know, doing a nine-to-five. Mm-hmm. As a leader, you need to find out where your strengths are and where your limits are and what you need in terms of training. And that's what I, yeah. I would advise anyone is where are the gaps and what do I need? Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much, Avita. It's been really interesting talking to you today. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Joe. And just so you know, next week, uh, Joe Moffat is back and she's talking with Emma James, who's head of colleague experience and comms at Moto Hospitality. And they're talking about employee engagement in an operational setting. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.